Hello everyone, Art Tomasetti back with you for this month's edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. As summer's winding down, I hope that you had the opportunity to take a vacation or do something to help on the life side of your work-life balance. So let's get right into this month's content. This month, I was fortunate to conduct an interview with Major General Chris Azano, the Test Center Commander at Edwards Air Force Base. The General shared his perspective on the current operating environment, some thoughts on the flight test safety profession, and some advice for leaders in that profession. General Lozano, it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning. Well, uh, thanks, Turbo. I really appreciate the chance to address the society today. And, uh, and I have uh, been a longtime fan of SCTP as the standard bearers for the profession. And I've been a, a beneficiary myself growing up as a young tester with the influence of a lot of the, the wisdom of the membership. So, so thank you. It's an honor to, to be here and, and to, have a, to share a few thoughts and, and a few words. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. So I'd like to start off by asking about operating in the current environment, some of the challenges that the test center is facing and some of the solutions you all may have come up with. As you might imagine, when we saw the, the uh, travel uh, restrictions go into place, the first thing we, we thought about in the Air Force Test Center was how is this going to affect our long-term mission, our throughput. And, uh, and there was clearly a lot of uncertainty with the virus early on, and we knew we had to sustain our mission, but we also wanted to take care of our people, and obviously the two go hand in hand. So the first decision we made as a center, and, and this is a center that spans 34 geographic locations and, and uh, does a lot of different testing, uh, was that we were going to trust the science. And even though there was a lot of uncertainty with the virus, what the science was telling us at the time was that uh, if people wore masks and, and distanced to the maximum uh, uh, ability uh, and then sanitized uh, regularly uh, touched surfaces, that, uh, that that would go a long way to help preventing the spread. And, and we knew that that's really what we needed to do, was not have 100% success, but enough that it was actually going to uh, have an impact on our ability to sustain the mission. So we trusted the science, and, and we, uh, we did what we usually do with a tough problem like this, is we give it to the people who are right there at the point of execution and said, help us fix this problem. And they're all exceptional risk managers. It's part of their culture. It's part of their pioneering spirit. So to give them the opportunity to uh, really kind of dissect how we do flight tests from start to finish for any given mission, figure out where all the potential choke points are for, for health risk, and, and how we would mitigate those. And the team very much approached it like they would the normal uh, risk mitigation for any any test mission. So I'm very proud of them for that. The, the briefings that, uh, that we conduct before every mission, uh, obviously in large conference rooms, uh, typically uh, we had to go to a distributed uh, mission planning and briefing uh, a construct where we would have people in multiple different buildings. And, and that actually worked out remarkably well where it really became uh, a little more challenging was, was when we actually started stepping flyers out to the aircraft and they would go through and check out life support equipment and, and uh, do their own checks and do their own uh, fitting and then their own cleaning post-flight. And, and that's where we started to see kind of a change of habit patterns. And anytime there's a change of habit patterns in aviation, you start to get concerned about the impact on, on risk. Uh, but our teams were, were very professional. They went through, they, they did a lot of additional training actually walked out to the aircraft and identified uh, areas that, that could potentially be vectors for, for an illness and, uh, and interactions between the ground crew and, and some of the other uh, maintenance and engineering personnel. And it was, uh, it was very, very thorough, very exhaustive, and, and we felt good by the time we 
uh, we got back to, to uh, full flight ops, which was really just a week or two after the initial slowdown. The one thing that continued to concern those of us who uh, are responsible for, for the supervision of the mission was the distractions that might come along, especially in flight if people were wearing uh, different equipment or following uh, slightly different procedures. And so we took precautions to mitigate that. On the flight line itself, uh, shift work came into play, and the idea was that if we split people off into teams and we never uh, bring them into contact with each other, then if something were to happen and, and one team were to get infected, then the other one would still be able to produce uh, sorties, which obviously is the lifeblood for flight test. So lots of uh, thought went into that, and I, I can't say enough great things about our maintenance crews for what they've done to sanitize the aircraft and modify Things as simple as, as the walk around of an aircraft or, or checking on the, the engineering or maintenance forms prior to a flight or afterward, all of those procedures were modified to account for COVID. And then, of course, control rooms. One of the best ways we mitigate risk across the test enterprise, we at times have dozens of people in control rooms, and we had to make sure that we could do that safely. So we spaced them out. There were rigorous procedures for checking in and checking out to include headsets and sanitizing workstations. And again, we did some teaming uh, and, and isolating between teams for our control room folks as well. Uh, and so uh, we really saw some tremendous success there, and, and I'm, I'm proud to say, knocking on wood as I do this, that, uh, that we have so far uh, prevented any, any widespread uh, type uh, infections. So we're, we're very proud of the team there. It's, it's safe to say that they approached the health risk like they do all the other risks that we deal with in flight test. They went through and made sure they understood the system, the person, the environment, identified the risks, and then sought every opportunity to mitigate those risks. So right in line with the pioneering spirit of testers, uh, here we are today, back to full capacity. Uh, actually, we were uh, in a fairly short while after the initial slowdown as we were trying to get our feet under us. But I'm, I'm happy to say that, that we are back up and running full speed and, and everybody's doing it safely. Great. So thanks for sharing some of those challenges and the solutions that you all have found. And let me just do a follow-up question. That So some of these solutions and some of these procedures that you've put in place – uh, do you think they will stand the test of time in terms of even when the pandemic is past us and in the rearview mirror that you will keep them going because they provided new efficiencies or better risk mitigation? Yeah, that's a great question, Turbo. I, I absolutely think they will. Uh, obviously, part of the mission that we have is to ensure that our, our combat systems are able to operate in any environment. We know that the battlefield of the future might very well involve things that we just did not foresee when we developed those systems. We know that battlefields of the future potentially could involve biological weapons. And so a lot of the things that we're learning now, some of the new habit patterns that we are establishing in the test environment have already translated over into the operations environment across the joint services. And so we're seeing, uh, I, I think, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good risk mitigation, but also a lot of revolutionary thought on, on how we do business on a day-to-day -day basis, questioning assumptions and seeing if there's not a better way to execute operations. This year notwithstanding, when, when you think about your flight test career from the time you entered the profession to where you are now, tell me what you would highlight as the biggest change you've seen occur in that time. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a very interesting question and, and appropriate, I would say, today and especially over the last year or two, 
uh, given all of the change that we've seen in the future notion of combat operations. I remember my first official test flight uh, after graduating from test pilot school and then going to Eglin and, and being assigned there to do weapons test. And it was uh, an AMRAM shot off of an F-15 pointed at the ground going Mach 1.2. And uh, it was uh, very much focused on the air vehicle and on the weapon itself. And we still need to do that, but what is interesting is that uh, on the battlefield today, we're thinking about each of those individual elements less as individuals and more as a network of systems, which means that we are naturally more focused now on software and communications and avionics and how all those systems in interact, the data links, the passing of information, the development of the common operating picture. Uh, we are very much interested in the aggregate effects of the system. And, and, and I remember as a student in, in TPS over 20 years ago being told that the bulk of the testing that we would, would do would not be, uh, would not be flight sciences. It would be more mission systems, which has actually turned out to be the case. Uh, but what I would say is, is we still have to do the challenging work of developing and integrating technology, of developing an air vehicle of being able to do performance and flying qualities testing, of being able to go out and uh, do things for the very first time that are right on the edge of an envelope and do them safely, in other words, to manage risk. And I think we do that uh, by by being uh, really uh, smart about how we, we employ lessons we've learned the hard way about employing new technologies, but staying true to our risk management principles. Now that we're taking a, a networked approach to, to systems testing, uh, there is a, a lot more challenge on the mission systems side, but it's also an exciting time to be developing what could be some really game-changing capabilities for our nation's defense. I will say that as we're doing this and the emphasis goes more toward software and avionics and systems of systems, there is an emphasis on agility and innovation and speed. I think speed is everyone's favorite buzzword these days, and of course, uh, we love it as testers. Uh, it it uh, has meanings on different levels for, for a lot of us. Uh, but what most people are thinking about is, is rapidly getting capabilities developed and out there to the field. Uh, and for, for those uh, among us who may not be experienced flight testers, lots of times we'll see that the flight test program is the first thing that gets sacrificed to, to get uh, something back on schedule. And I think what we need to do as a community is make sure that uh, that we are helping to communicate what that actually, you know, the way to actually accelerate a program and get it back on track. We actually need to test more and test earlier. We need the constant discovery of flight tests. We need the rapid cycle of learning. And we still need to do that difficult work. There are a lot of people who think that, uh, that some of the new uh, scientific techniques are, are uh, making it easier to do tests. I would just argue it's, it's allowing us to do the same with the same level of expertise, a test that has become a lot more complicated. We still need that world-class risk management that defines the test community, and we still need test professionals that are, that are experienced and, and uh, skilled at doing that. If you had the opportunity to provide advice to leaders in the flight test profession today, what would be some things you would offer them? Yeah, so, so I think we need to, to uh, keep one foot grounded in, in the decades of flight test lessons learned. Uh, it's, it's called conventional wisdom. Most people look at conventional and, and, uh, and, and question whether we shouldn't be pushing the envelope a little more. 
but there, there's also wisdom in there too. And we can't forget the wisdom of, of people who've gone before us. Uh, so we keep that one foot grounded. And, and at the same time, I think it's, it's not only safe, but it's really incumbent on us to question assumptions, uh, questioning them, but not dismissing uh, something just for the name, in the name of speed and agility. Uh, what I would challenge new leaders is with that one foot firmly grounded in decades of, of flight test lessons, I would embrace new technology. I would embrace new paradigms. I would leverage our pioneering spirit in a way that maybe hasn't been done before. And I think we need to help non-technical people understand the power and the limitations of technology, the power of digital engineering and how it could help us reduce risk in testing, the power of data science and how it might help us reduce the uh, the scope of a test program, but at the same time, the limitations, the need to still get out there and, and do the difficult work. The up-and-coming leaders in, in tests today are going to deal with, with cross-domain testing of, of systems in air, space, and cyber, and, and the other domains, and they're going to have immense challenges, but it's going to be such a rewarding time to be part of this community, and as, especially as, as we see on the battlefield of the future are our warfighters more integrating cyber and space capabilities to everything they do. It's just an exciting time and I would say dive into it with both feet, dive into it with that pioneering spirit that's always characterized our community. That's great advice. So as we come to a close of this podcast, again I want to thank you for giving us some of your time today. Any final thoughts you would offer our listeners? Uh, I would just say that, that uh, I think many of us probably got into a flight test because of it just sounded interesting. Uh, there was some glamour associated with it. We thought it would be fun, and uh, we probably weren't sure how long we would be in it. And, and uh, I am now 20-plus uh, years into my flight test career, and I am still here because it is, uh, it is uh, incredibly rewarding, and the people are, are fantastic. I, I can't imagine a, a better group of, of leaders, more talented and devoted than I've known in the test community. Uh, great friends. And, and the, the science is exciting. Uh, what we do is just a, a tremendously rewarding way of life. And, and so I would thank everybody. And, and for those who are trying to decide what to do with their lives, I would encourage you to, to pursue test, whether you are brand new to it or, or whether you... Uh, are just trying to decide which direction to take your career. Consider this and, and realize that being a part of the test community is being a part of something bigger than yourself. Well, sir, thank you again for sharing your perspective and your thoughts with us today. Uh, we wish you uh, safe and continued success there at the Test Center. Thank you so much, Turbo. I really appreciate your time. That was a great discussion with Major General Chris Azano from Edwards Air Force Base. You can find a link to his bio in the description of the podcast. For this month's On the Web feature, I'm actually going to direct you to this month's Flight Test Safety Fact. In this issue, you will find a description of a new addition to our Flight Test Safety website resources. These are a collection of papers detailing select aircraft accidents and lessons learned. The collection was provided by the late Dave Houle, a founding member of the Flight Test Safety Committee. You will find instructions on how to navigate this collection, which has incidents dating back to 1929. Despite his passing, we can all benefit from Dave's passion for this profession of flight test. Many thanks to Pete Donath for editing this collection. If you don't currently receive the Flight Test Safety Fact, you can find it on our website, www.flighttestsafety.org, and just click on News at the top of the webpage. Turning to current events, 
The Society of Experimental Test Pilots will host a webinar on the 24th and 25th of September. You can view the detailed agenda as well as the list of technical papers that will be presented on the SETP webpage at www.setp.org. And registration for the event is now open. Well, that'll close us for this month. I hope that you found this podcast useful and informative, and if so, share it with others you think will benefit. We also welcome your input on topics for our monthly focus. Until next month, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.